listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, May the 13th. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And what we have been doing on Wednesdays is taking a look at the various evening lectures that CFW Walther did in 1800s. We're looking at the fifth evening lecture. He did this on October the 17th, 1884. Uh, as indicated earlier in our series, uh, this is 25 statements, of which 21 of them are ways in which pastors mix up law and gospel. Uh, but the first few theses really are about law and gospel, and it's not till we get to thesis number four that we start talking about ways in which they are misapplied. So, as is his custom, he kind of begins an evening lecture with some thoughts on theology. And he's talking to seminary students, but of course it can be applied to Christians who are witnessing to their children, etc. He says, God governs the kingdoms of this world through the agency of human beings who are far too sighted and far too feeble for this task. So this is a way in which C.F.W. Walther is making the point that even in the government, it is God who is conducting all things. He's the one that moves people to make laws to protect, to have prison sentences or fines against those who break the laws. Because human beings in and of themselves are still too far short-sighted. Now he moves into theology. It is all the more obvious that in the kingdom of grace, okay, so first of all he's talked about the secular realm, the temporal realm, the government realm. Now he's talking about the kingdom of grace, the holy Christian church. And he says that he sustains even the kingdom of grace using people who are unfit for this task. And if you talk to any pastor, and I'm a pastor, I've been in this for decades I still a lot of times think I am unfit for the challenges that are put before me. And a lot of times I can see God's hand in them. So it's very clear that the wisdom of God is behind the work of people, both in the secular realm and in the spiritual realm. And that's where he's talking to seminarians who are training for the spiritual realm. So, all of this, though, he's talking about is, let's say that you had the ability, and he uses an analogy here, to increase the life of a person by 50 years. Boy, you would become extraordinary in the eyes of others. But then he says to these seminarians, but even if you were able to do that, this compares not at all 
with the exaltation and glory of the calling for which you are to be trained here at the seminary. Your job is not to raise those entrusted to your care from earthly death to live once more in this poor earthly life. Our job as pastors are to pluck them out of their spiritual and eternal death and usher them into heaven. He affirms that humanity has committed apostasy. Now, what is apostasy? Apostasy is a deliberate rejection of the faith. Had God created human beings to be very good, which he did, and then we fell into sin, we rejected the gospel. So here's a definition of unbelief. Unbelief is not simply ignorance of God's word. It is participation in collective apostasy. Now, what I like doing during these series is to try and bring you up to date as to how that might happen today. Uh, For example, I know of pastors and certainly of laity that really hesitate to speak boldly the word of God in regard to the law, uh, such as against abortion, gay marriage, uh, stealing, these kinds of things, adultery, etc. And when you ask them, why is this not in your sermons? Because you have people doing that. They will say, well, it would cause great lack of peace in the church. It would cause turmoil. And I want to make sure we continue with peace in the church. This is why at times you'll hear the laity when you criticize a member. Let's say it may be one of their children who are now living with someone out of marriage, and they're living in the same house, etc. And you say, boy, when you attack them, that is not very loving. See, this is a common misunderstanding of love. You'll, you'll hear that every now and then, that people say Lutheran theology is not very loving. And what I always do when I hear nonsense like that, I ask them, give me a specific example where Lutheran theology is not loving. And of course, every time they do, I can easily point out how it is loving, like criticizing young people for living together before marriage. That's not a very loving thing to do. Oh, so if uh, somebody takes your daughter out on a date and beats her up, you're certainly not going to accuse that person of beating up your daughter because that would not be very loving. You're criticizing that person. Is that correct? And, of course, they'll come right back and say, no, no, somebody touches my daughter, they're going to be in trouble. Well, how is that loving in your view? You see, God has a view of loving, and the devil has a view of loving. The devil's view of loving is to not criticize people who are going against the Word of God. This comes about through... 
Well, there were philosophical theories such as enlightenment and rationalism, where the Bible was said not really to make sense, and therefore we needed to be more tolerant of people's views. That, that's what we're in today, where if somebody gets married to somebody of the same gender, then we're saying, oh, we cannot criticize them because that is not very loving. Now, one of the things that CFW Walther does is he quotes from the church fathers, oftentimes. And in this particular section, he's quoting from a man named Johann Gerhardt. He died in 1865. And he wrote some pretty good things. Uh, one of the things he talks about from Johann Gerhardt is this. He reads, The distinction between law and gospel is to be maintained everywhere. That is, there's no doctrine that does not call upon us to rightly distinguish law and gospel. For example, let's take the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Why was Jesus incarnate? Was he incarnate because that was a, a rule that he had to follow to become a human being? No. He was incarnate because of the gospel, that only a human being could die for another human being. And so we see that Gerhardt makes the point that every single doctrine calls us to rightly distinguish between law and gospel. So when you're speaking the gospel, do not bring in the law. Ooh, what's an example of that? Let's say you're talking about the doctrine of justification. We cannot be saved by the law. You can't say, oh, God is going to save you because he looks at your life and you're really improving. No. Justification, you are saved for no apparent reason except because of the mercy and grace of God. Now, if you remove from the Bible the doctrine of justification as understood by God, saved by grace through faith, you know what you end up with? You end up with every other religion in the world, namely books of morality. Listen to Romans 3.21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Or Romans 1.16. For it is a power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So, a lot of times, C.F.W. Walther simply quotes from other theologians that he finds to be very good. And a lot of times, you kind of miss that quotation, thinking it's Walther speaking it. I've done that a number of times, where 
I may be saying something you think is really good, but I'll tell you, I probably aborted it from a seminary professor when I heard him say that in class. Sometimes I even forget what seminary professor it was, but it helped me so much, I use it to help you. So, Gerhard says, you need to make a distinction between doing something in order to be saved and believing a promise that saves you, between grace, which is God's undeserved regard of you, and works, where you merit salvation, between law and gospel. At this time, CFW Walter gets into something that we're having a great problem today in our day also, and that's decision theology. Both in the Iowa Synod and the Norwegian American Lutheran group, they used the idea that you could make a decision to come to faith. And that's where Walter says preachers make their mistake. What, what mistake are they making? Well, here's the fear on the part of some preachers. They don't want to preach the gospel too clearly, because that says no works you do will ever save you. Now, why are they afraid to say that? Because they think it will be their fault then when they preach the gospel and people lapse into sin. Why would they lapse into sin? Because they're being told that, no, it doesn't matter what works you do, God will save you through faith in Jesus Christ. And so pastors are afraid of causing people to sin when they preach in that way. Now, I think that's ridiculous. Because what parent would refuse to say to their children, child, I love you no matter what your behavior is. Even when you disobey me, don't forget I still love you. Is a parent afraid to say that? Because the child's going to jump to the conclusion, well, if they're going to love me, no matter what I do, I might as well do bad. You see, faith, Walther says, is not merely thinking, I believe. I've heard that even from some Lutherans. If you die and go to heaven, why are you going to heaven? And they'll say, because of my faith. You see how they're getting credit to themselves? No, you're not going to heaven because you decided to believe. You're going to heaven because of the content of your faith, that Jesus Christ died for your sins. The main thing to tell a person, and this is a quote from C.F.W. Walther, when you're explaining how to become righteous, is to announce to him the free grace of God, concealing nothing, saying none other than what God says in the gospel. And Mount Sinai is obviously where we receive the law. Golgotha 
where Jesus was crucified, was where we were appeased. So he says, build a fence around Mount Sinai. Don't let people go there thinking they're going to be saved by obedience. But don't build a fence around Golgotha. He's telling the seminarians, and that's true about the laity, they have two keys to the church. What's a key? Well, the one is for binding. That means locking the door. And the other is for loosing. He says, do not proclaim forgiveness of sins to secure sinners. They're not worried that they're a sinner. He again quotes from Romans 2, verse 9. The law is laid down for what? The lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners from the unholy. Very, very important. Even quotes Isaiah 66, verse 1. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? The rest is the gospel that is preached to the poor. And the poor are those who realize they have nothing to give God to save themselves. He now makes a point that really is important, and I could think it's main point of this evening lecture. When you're preaching to an individual, you must proclaim the law if it's necessary, if they're unrepentant of a sin. But he says when you speak in public, talking to pastors, the situation is different. There I must also remember the elect children of God who may be hearing me. It's not that I don't preach the law even there. In fact, if a sermon does not contain law, it's worthless. But there are people in all groups that will be shocked out of their sleep of sin. And therefore, they need to hear the gospel. Best example I can give of that is the Sermon on the Mount. It certainly has law. Oh, you, you think you haven't broken the fifth commandment because you haven't killed anybody? I tell you, you've broken the fifth commandment if you've had a bad thought about someone. Or if, on the other count, you have a bad word against someone. Gerhard is quoted again that you need to keep the boundary lines between law and gospel. What is he talking about? Well, God created us without our cooperation. And therefore, if you ever give yourself credit for being saved, then you're saying, I cooperated in my salvation. And you take part of the merit. On the other hand, he also created us as Christians without any cooperation on our part. The, the best example I like that God uses for that is how do we become children of God? We did not make a decision. We were adopted. What does a baby do to get adopted? No, 
nothing. So we need to be talking about the importance that God elects us simply out of his mercy and grace. And we don't want a person to say, thank God, I have done my share towards saving myself. No, there's nothing an adopted baby does. Instead, we recognize that God came to us and drew us to his word, first of all, by the law, showing us our incapability of doing that, maybe through tribulation, anguish of heart, partly by sickness. And a lot of people are waking up to that in light of the Chinese virus, that these are ways in which God wants to move us to himself as truly the only way to be saved. Our attitude is, I can contribute nothing to my salvation. Walter says, this is the main point that we're discussing this evening in this controversy. In other words, when you mingle law and gospel, you confuse consciences. What's he talking about? Well, it just so happens that this Sunday, uh, the reading is from 1 Peter chapter 3, where baptism is said not to remove the dirt from our body, but to give us a clear conscience. What does that mean? When you're baptized, you're saved not because you stop from sinning, but because God no longer is holding you accountable for your sin. It's called the forgiveness of sins. And when you trust that promise, then you have a clear conscience. So you may be on your deathbed, but you have nothing to worry about because Jesus is speaking through the preacher. Come, everything is now ready. If he continues and says, provided you do this and this and this and that, then you are lost. And in that case, people would have to ask themselves, have I done everything God desires? And you will find no help, none at all, in your works. This is really a good evening lecture. It's the fifth evening lecture. And that's where CFW Walther concludes. Just listen to the epistle reading for this coming Sunday after 1 Peter 3, where you will hear that the great message of the gospel is not that you stop from sinning and thereby are saved, but God stops holding you accountable for your sin. No other religion comes anywhere near this in God's holy word. So this is a great example of how law and gospel clears our consciences, even though we deserve temporal and eternal punishment, God promises not to give it to us because that punishment was taken for us by Jesus Christ. Join us in tomorrow's 
Rumination Thursday, Lawn Gospel, with myself, Tom Baker, and Wes Reinitz. God bless. Lawn Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.